Hello, this is your political correspondent, Ezra Siddiqui. The theme for my podcast today is called The Modern Day Gettysburg. If you know anything about American history in the U.S. Civil War, you'll know that Gettysburg was a huge battle fought by the Confederacy and Union and was the turning point for the Civil War in which the Union eventually won. I feel that it's a fitting theme for what happened this past Tuesday, Super Tuesday Part 3, because I felt like it was a huge turning point in our election, in our presidential election for 2016. So to start off with, we know that Bernie Sanders won Michigan on March 7th, which was Super Tuesday Part 2, which was last Tuesday. But this past Tuesday, he lost badly to Hillary Clinton in Ohio, Florida, Missouri, Illinois, and South Illinois and South Carolina, and North Carolina, excuse me. Now in Ohio and Florida, he won, uh, he lost by a pretty big margin, but in Missouri and Illinois, they were pretty close, especially in Missouri, he was lost by only, I believe, 1,500 votes. I think that was kind of shocking for the Sanders campaign because after they won Michigan and Ohio having the same demographics, they thought that they would have a better chance of winning and they campaigned really hard there. But unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. He hasn't dropped out of the race yet. And I believe the reason being is because California and New York primaries are coming up and they're really big states with substantial delegate number and that he could potentially win those states because they're a little bit more liberal than some of the other states that have had these primaries. So I think that's the reason why he's staying in, and that's why I really think, and a lot of political pundits are also thinking that this is going to go on until June for the Democratic Party. I do find it interesting to note that I feel like there's becoming a lot of anger between the two. You could definitely see in the past two Democratic debates, they're getting a little bit more feisty. I think it is kind of worrisome that we are focusing so much on Donald Trump and not realizing there's kind of an internal divide also within the Democratic Party. There's a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters that point blank refuse to support Hillary Clinton if she is the nominee. And I think that's something that we should be concerned about. Um, well, not us in general, but I meant the Democratic Party should be concerned about because I think that's something they really need to consider because of Donald Trump, which more than likely will be the Republican candidate, and then Bernie Sanders supporters don't vote, there's a huge chance for Donald Trump to become president, and that's something we definitely don't want to have happen. So I think it'll be interesting to see if Hillary Clinton wins the nomination, how they're going to bridge that divide and that internal fracture within the party, how she's really going to get the 18 and 29-year-olds who are huge Bernie Sanders supporters over to her side, willing to vote. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, moving on to the Republican Party, Donald Trump won just about every single state except for Ohio, which went to Kasich. He is the governor of Ohio, so it isn't super amazing that he won his own home state, but it is progress for his party. He'll probably get a little bit more press coverage, more attention, it is interesting to note that a lot of Democrats and independents also voted in the Republican primary of Ohio because they really support Kasich. I think that's pretty cool because not many candidates have you seen that are either Republican or D have that much of a, like a base that really cares for him and they're irre irrelevant to what his party is, that they still wanted to vote for him, that they 
really wanted to support him. And I think if he were to be the Republican nominee, which would be very difficult, um, I think he could bring a lot of the independents to vote for him. And I think for the Republican Party, that's something for them to consider if they end up doing a brokered convention. And also, Marco Rubio dropped out of the race. His home state is Florida, and he got killed by Donald Trump by 20 points. And he's not even running for re-election for senator, so I wonder what he's going to do next after this political um, stint of his. I thought his speech was, you know, he talked a lot about God, and he said that, you know, God doesn't want me to be a president this time, and maybe he'll never want me to be president. A lot of news sources were thinking that's kind of a premonition of, oh, is he going to run again? And maybe he is. He's always been known as politically savvy and very ambitious. I also wanted to bring in, I have been attending South by Southwest uh, a couple of the panels, and I did meet with a reporter that uh, used to um, write for the Miami Herald, and I had asked him, this is before Super Tuesday, you know, if Trump, Trump was going to win Florida or Rubio, and he definitely was like, oh, it's definitely going to be Trump because Rubio has just pissed off too many people. The Tea Party is angry with him because they're the ones that helped him win, and they feel that he's betrayed them. A lot of the Latinos are really upset with him because they feel that he didn't do anything in regards to immigration reform. And so they were saying that he's basically a man with no home, So that's why they thought he wasn't really going to win Florida. And I guess, you know, their prediction turned out to be correct. Uh, Regarding Ted Cruz, he was close in Missouri with Donald Trump, but he hasn't really won any states since Texas. So the other big question is, which keeps occurring after all these primaries and caucuses, was how is Trump still winning? So I want to ask my audience a question in general. Have you seen him speak in full instead of, you know, those racist sound bites the media presents? You know, we keep hearing like, oh, he said this about Muslims, he said this about Hispanics, etc., etc. But have you heard him actually do a full speech? I have. I've watched a couple of his speeches, especially after accepting his victories. And, you know, he's really simple and to the point. And he's almost kind of funny. If you were to just take out all the racist remarks, I mean, he's just funny. He's very charismatic, and he is a brilliant speaker. And he has no other fancy words like other politicians do. And that's the thing about majority of the people is that they like the simplicity of it. And, I mean, I can speak to y'all from experience and like when I try and talk about my podcast or my blog to other people who have an interest in politics and you know they'll say certain things like oh sometimes it's too complex and I don't know how to follow along and these are educated people so when you're talking about the uneducated and they're already having so much trouble following along in politics and you have somebody who's really simple and to the point That's what they're going to like. That's what they feel like someone is like there for them. That's going to fight for them. And again, he's not the part of the establishment. And the establishment is, you know, the generic, it's a white male who has gone to one of those really great Ivy League schools. And while Donald Trump has gone to really good schools like Wharton and is very well off, he doesn't come off as very, like, 
I wouldn't say not intelligent. I mean, you could say that, but at the same time, he, he comes off as very simple and to the point, like, this is what we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And I mean, in a policy sense, it doesn't make sense. It wouldn't flow. It wouldn't work. But for these people, it does. And another thing is that it seems like, you know, everyone has a lot of anger as well. People are saying that, you know, I've been reading a bunch of articles that, oh, it's because there's economic progress of minorities, which is why a lot of the poor white people are voting for Donald Trump. Like, they're scared about that situation. There are some people in NPR say that, you know, he is getting some of the educated voters. It's not all uneducated poor people. And maybe, you know, there's a theory out there that they have this thing for authoritarianism, that he comes off very authoritative and that's what they like and that's what they really want to see. Like, that's their biggest thing that they want to see in their president. Another um, note I wanted to add was kind of more from like a personal experience. I had a classmate that I went to law school with who was a cruise supporter. And, you know, I was a little baffled with that because I don't think cruise personally um, is very inclusive of all races and minorities. And, you know, we started chatting about it and we had a great political discussion because to me, the racism is such a big issue. Economy is obviously a big issue as well. But to her, um, she has a lot of family in the army and veteran affairs is very important to her. And the reason why she dislikes Hillary Clinton so much is because of the Benghazi scandal. And it got me to think, okay, so I personally am not fully affected with the Benghazi scandal, but she was, like she has family in the armed forces. So for her, the Benghazi scandal was huge. Like, oh, she has like no thought for the armed forces. She doesn't care for them because of that experience. And that experience doesn't affect me. Whereas the racist remarks that are coming from Donald Trump really affect me, whereas they don't really affect her. Like, yeah, sure, she may not agree with them, or she may not agree necessarily with Ted Cruz when he was banning the Muslim Syrian immigrants and only allowing Christian Syrian immigrants or refugees to come in. That doesn't affect her as much. And that's another thing we should all realize, that people's priorities are all very, very different. And I think at the end of the day, the people that are voting for Trump, they're priority is the economy and their priority is like to get stuff done. Maybe they don't agree with his racism and maybe there are those that are undercover racists, but there could be those that don't agree with his racism, but to them, it's not a huge priority on their list. Okay, he says racist stuff, that's fine, but hey, he's going to take care of the economy. He's going to get me on back on my feet and that's how they're thinking, but that's just my take on it. So, I wanted to say that his base will probably remain a mystery to everyone. You'll read so many articles about it and so many analysis, but who knows? Then again, you know, I've seen plenty of educated people posting misleading political stuff on social media, and I'm just curious to, you know, who determines the standard of who's educated or not? And I think that's such a vague definition. And so we may say, oh, yeah, they're educated voters, but that doesn't mean everyone is well-educated in policies and politics. So I think that's something that we should also take into account when people are like, oh, he's getting the educated voters. We don't, I don't think, necessarily have a standard for what's educated or not if you're just talking about a college degree. But I don't think a college degree necessarily means that you're educated in politics.
So moving on, here are some things to consider for the next couple weeks. With Rubio gone, will his supporters go to Ted Cruz or Kasich? What do you think are Bernie's chances in New York and California? And last but not least, why aren't we trying to understand one another? I feel like there's so much tension within both the Democrats. So why aren't we trying to understand one another? There's so much animosity, and I feel like it could lead to, you know, a fractured nation. Like, I understand that everyone has their choices for candidates, but sometimes I believe it's getting so heated, and we see what has happened in Chicago with the Donald Trump rallies and people protesting that, and he had to cancel his rally and how huge it got. And to me, that's really worrisome, because at the end of the day, after the elections are over, we're still one nation, and we still have to learn to live together, to work together. And that's something I think we should all consider and figure out how could we make things better. Last but not least, I wanted to talk about the Supreme Court nominee on Wednesday. President Obama picked Merrick Garland. Just a little bit about him. He's a 63-year-old white male. He is the chief of the D.C. Federal Circuit Court of Appeals. He was there for 19 years. He was huge in the Oklahoma City bomber trial as a prosecutor against Timothy McVeigh. For the most part, he has sided a lot with the EPA, which is the Environmental Protection Agency. He has been for gun control. He's ruled for stricter gun control or upholding strict gun control. He's a Harvard Law School graduate. Uh, a lot of people thought that he was an unexpected choice from President Obama given, you know, he's chosen Kagan and Sotomayor, who are minorities, and that's why they were kind of surprised that he, you know, he chose a white male. But he is Jewish. Um, the other great thing about him is that most Republicans also like him. But as you've surely heard in the news, is that they intend to fight the process in saying that, oh, we won't meet with him, we won't vote for him, like, it's only up to the new president when he comes in. And I think President Obama's speech when he was introducing the Supreme Court nominee said that, you know, you're almost opening a Pandora's box if you do that because then it's going to become a tit for tat because let's say a Republican comes into office then you're going to have a Democratic um, pushback for if they ever nominate someone and it would just go back and forth and it would really hinder society as a whole because then when you're stopping government and you know having all these politics and going on then you know people become even more disenchanted with government and that's already happened as it is. Well, another thing to add is that NPR stated that most Republican lawyers from D.C. think that he's a best choice for Republicans because he's very centrist, he's not very far left, and is liberal, as they thought President Obama would choose. So I think it's going to be fun to kind of watch how this process is going to come through, how the Senate Republicans are going to act. And I think along with the political pro uh, process that we're going on with the presidential election, this whole process is going to be very interesting. So I think the next couple of weeks are going to be very, very interesting coming up. So that's all that I have for today. I will be back on on Tuesday, and I want to discuss my South by Southwest experience. And who knows, in the next couple of days, any other crazy political news that comes up, you can be sure that I'll be covering it. Well... Thank you.
and I hope you all have a great weekend.